Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Kim Constable podcast. It has been so long since it's just been you and me here chatting away together because I have had so many, well, I have to be honest about it, amazing guests on this podcast over the last couple of months, but haven't really just had a chat meeting you for a long time. And I'm really honestly quite excited about it today because I have got an epic podcast for you. And it has been spawned from everybody in my groups asking me to please start a parenting podcast. People keep saying, Kim, start a parenting podcast, start a parenting podcast. And I'm like, uh, not likely because I can't even find the time to run my life as it is currently. Never mind adding a parenting podcast. In fact, I feel so miserably I didn't even do a podcast, didn't even record a podcast last week because I just ran out of time. And I sent my team a message and I was like, I've made the executive decision that there will be no podcast this week because I've just run out of time. But I didn't run out of time this week. I decided to come to the office late in the evening. It's eight o'clock in the evening and the sun is going down and it's a beautiful evening. And I just thought I'm going to go and cozy up in the office with my microphone and with my listeners and have a wee chat. So that's what we're going to do today. And before we get into the content, um, which you are just going to love, uh, well, hopefully I think you're going to love it. Uh, don't forget that if you want to win a Sculpted Vegan program, all you have to do is leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Send me a screenshot on Instagram. And if you don't do that, you won't be in with a chance to win. You have to send me the screenshot on Instagram and we will enter you into a draw to win a um, Sculpted Vegan program of your choice, any program at all. And we will be doing the draw for May. This is now the middle of April. We will be doing the draw for April at the start of May and announcing the podcast winner then. Okay, so let's get into the content for this week. What are we going to talk about? Well, like I said, people keep asking me, when am I going to start a parenting podcast? So today, it was actually supposed to be about squatting, but I think I'm going to do that next week because um, just to give you a little you know, heads up for what's going to happen next week, I um, have gone back to free bar squatting and deadlifting. And you may be like, well, Kim, that's really terribly exciting. Not. Um, the reason why I wanted to make a podcast about it is because I always swore, like I said, I would never make a home program, but yet we spent all last year making home programs with fucking booty bands. Um, I said that I would never go back to squatting and deadlifting with a free bar. And of course, what have I done? I've gone back to squatting and deadlifting with a free bar, but it's been wonderful to do it. Um, and there's loads of reasons why I've done it. And I want to talk about those. And I'm going to chat about all that next week so I'm just giving you a wee heads up but this week what we are going to talk about is how to have a better relationship or a better communication with your kids. I didn't really know what to call this podcast to be honest but it really was spawned from the fact um, that I actually had a a fantastic incident with one of my kids um, in the kitchen this evening before I came here which is why I decided to change the topic of the podcast. And I, it was so profound for me that I decided that it would be profound for you as well. Um, as I learn, so shall you. So I'm going to talk about that story particularly at the end. But I guess what I wanted to talk about is I, I think the reason why so many people are interested in my parenting style and the way that we parent our kids and, you know, the, the amount of parenting I talk about in this podcast is pretty huge. Um, there seems to be a real shift from the authoritarian paradigm that we used to live in with our kids right, you know, to present day which is becoming more of a peaceful parenting paradigm. And that was a lot of peas in one sentence. But what do I mean by this? Well, whenever, you know, I was being, whenever I was growing up, I lived in a very Midas right authoritarian paradigm. You know, my 
parents were my parents, not my friends. Even though my mom was, you know, fun to be around and whenever we were teenagers, you know, we had great crack with her um, and with my dad. Whenever we were kids, it was like, whatever. Mommy and daddy said yes or no or three bags full and you just towed the line and you didn't question. You just did what you were told. If you questioned it, you got spanked or you, you know, if you if you did something bad or wrong, you were punished, you were sent to your room. We had the naughty step. You know, we had all kinds of, you know, stuff like that whenever we were growing up and that kind of seemed pretty normal. And I know that many people actually still do things like that with their kids, but you know, I think a lot of people are interested is because we don't actually punish our children. None of our children have ever, ever cried it out, never um, been put on the naughty step. They've never been punished. They've never been shamed. They've never been sent to their room. They've never been shouted at. They've never been told they're bad or wrong. They have never had any kind of suppression in their lives whatsoever. So, in fact, they don't even understand suppression. They don't. They don't even understand what it is. They they they're confused when, like my my eldest son Corey, um, my coach would work with him sometimes on issues that he's having, and she said to me the other week, she said, "Do you understand that Corey doesn't understand suppression?" And I said. He doesn't. And she said, no, she said he doesn't understand punishment or suppression whenever his his friends online are being mean to him or are, you know, are, are punishing him. He thinks that it's something that he's done wrong or he thinks that they just don't have enough data. And if he can just give them some more information that they, you know, that they'll they'll change their behavior. They just lack data. And that's why they're being that way. He actually doesn't understand that people will be mean just to be mean because, you know, my kids have never been to school, so they've never had any kind of, you know, playground politics or bullying or meanness or anything like that. And she said he actually she just doesn't understand suppression. And I was like, is this a bad thing? She was like, no, it means you've done a superb job. She said, but you know, you need to teach him what it is so that he recognizes it because now it's a problem that he doesn't actually recognize it. So, you know, I have always parented my kids that way, but it definitely wasn't, you know, the way I was brought up. I mean, and I guess that the first story that I was thinking of to kind of illustrate my point of what I'm talking about is I remember whenever I was a teenager, I think I reached about 12 or 13 years of age. I think I was about 12. I remember I changed schools when I was 12. I used to go to boarding school, as many people who listen to this podcast will know. And then I changed schools to a grammar school here in Belfast. And I I met a friend. Her name was Alex. Um, she, my parents detested her because she led me into all kinds of trouble. And I remember she was, she wasn't a goth, but she wore, um, you, whenever I was young, Younger, you know, DM boots, Doc Martens were um, were in fashion, and you know, the the more badass you were, the more holes you had in your DMs. So it was either you had eight hole DMs or twelve hole DMs or fifteen hole DMs, you know, and you wanted these real clumpy boots, and everybody loved them, and kind of um, skin tight jeans or black leggings, and kind of you know, we would have dressed quite gothicy, I guess. And whenever I started going through this stage, which is a beautiful stage called individuation, it just doesn't seem very beautiful for the parents of children who are going through it. Um, whenever I reach this stage. I remember I just wanted everything black. I just loved the color black. I wanted my clothes to be black, my hair to be black. I wanted my nails to be black. I wanted everything to be black because I had decided that I identified with this group of people who wore clumpy DMs and black leggings and I wanted everything to be black. Much to my mother's horror. And my mom 
of course, my, you know, my, my parents tried everything. They tried the shame. You know, we had the shame button installed. I've talked about that a lot in the podcast. So, you know, my parent, my mom would have used shame to control me. So it would have been like, oh, you look so awful. Like those those leggings are just terrible looking on you. Oh my God, those boots are disgusting. You look like you're a miner going down the coal mines or, you know, we, you know, that's shame. That is, parents do that to control their children. They comment on their behavior, on their clothes, whatever. And the intent is to make them feel bad and they want to make them feel bad so they will stop the behavior so that the parent can go back to feeling like a wonderful parent, you know, with a really nice, well-brought-up, well-mannered, well-dressed child. That's the only reason why parents use shame. It's nothing to do with the child. It's everything to do with them wanting their lives to be more comfortable. So I um, decided I wanted everything black. And of course, my mom and my dad and everybody completely hated my leather jackets and the way I was dressing and tried to use a lot of shame on me to get me to stop. But I was a very defiant child. And so the shame didn't work. It just made me hide you know, it just made me only be my true self when I was out with my friends and it made me hide the other parts of myself whenever I was at home, which is a really awful way to be. But that's how most people parent their kids. And I remember that I wanted, we were, my mum was redecorating my room and I decided that I wanted my room to be, you guessed it, black. Yep. I wanted my room to be black. I wanted black curtains. I wanted black wallpaper. I wanted black carpet. I wanted black bed sheets. I was like, please. And I begged and I begged and I begged, please, please, please. Can I make my room black? Please. Can I make my room black? And I remember my mom going, Kim, no. Oh my God. And she gave me all the reasons why. She was like, the, but you know, that you would never get the paint. Like you would never be able to paint the walls again. It would be like, take like 20 coats and you can't have your room black. And you know, and really what my mom was thinking was, what the hell will people think? My mom wanted to decorate my room in a really lovely way. So it was nice and wonderful and lovely to look at. She did not want me living in a black bedroom. And I remember begging and pleading and begging and pleading. And finally, I remember she allowed me to get, I think they were Playboy bunny curtains but they were the only black ones that we could find in the shop they were black with like gray I think through them and they had some colors in them they had the playboy bunny rabbits on them but she would not let me get a black carpet and she would not let me paint my walls black and my walls had to be Laura Ashley yellow right wallpaper do you remember whenever they used to do that terrible thing where they did wallpaper on the bottom and what no actually it wasn't wallpaper in my room now that I think about it because I had that terrible grainy wallpaper but she wouldn't let me paint the walls black. I had to paint them yellow. So walls were yellow, carpet was yellow, curtains were black. And I remember I got the matching bed sheets. They were black too. So I felt like I'd won a little victory, right? Won a little victory. At least I got black curtains and black bed sheets because I didn't actually think she would let me paint the whole room black. But like, here is the problem, right? So the problem was I wasn't really fighting to have my room black. I was fighting to be seen, to be heard, and to be understood. Because what your kids are saying is the problem is rarely the actual problem, okay? So I didn't really want my room black. I kind of did want my room black, but more than anything, what I actually wanted was to feel accepted. I just wanted to feel accepted. I wanted to feel that my parents and my family accepted me and all of my weirdness and all of my blackness. They just accepted me as who I was and they did not love me any less. That's what I really, really wanted underneath it all. But of course, I also wanted to be an, an individual. I wanted to be separate from my parents and have my own identity. But of course, the way I'd been brought up in the authoritarian paradigm was to believe that the only way to have my own identity was to be separate from my parents, to be whoever they were not, 
Okay, so they were the way they were, and I wanted to be the opposite of them. But really, the only reason a child wants to be the opposite of their parents is so that they can feel like an individual. And if my parents had have allowed me to feel like an individual, they would have removed the war. If you allow your child to be who they are and you accept love and embrace them for who they are without judgment and you do nothing but smile and say oh wow you look beautiful yes those look so amazing on you i love the 15 holes i love how clumpy they are on your feet if you give your children nothing to fight against your life is so much sweeter because there's no war and ultimately as parents what we want is to have a nice comfortable life but what we don't realize is we're creating the fucking discomfort we're creating the war because we're giving our children something to fight against because if you give them nothing to fight against then there is no war and you have a wonderful relationship with them and I remember like my mom came home one day I don't know why she did this but I remember being at home and she came home and she had fought me every step of the way to, you know, she wouldn't buy me the clothes that I wanted her to buy me. She wouldn't let me have any of that stuff. So I was walking around like a tramp most of the time in clothes that were, you know, my friends had given me because kids will always find a way. If you say no and you go against them, they will always find a way to have what they want. And I remember that she... um she came home one day with these clothes um, after obviously me, probably because I was tr- I looked like a trump. And she came home with these clothes, this big bag of clothes that she bought me. And they were black leggings, different types of black leggings. I still remember one of them was like black and gray striped, like Beetlejuice, except that his was black and white, but these were like black and gray and black and gray striped. Another one was like, you know, black. But of course, they had some kind of little pattern in them or something that, you know, I, but I was willing to give her that one and some, you know, black hoodies and black tops and these these boots. They weren't quite DM boots, but they they were kind of pretty clumpy and they looked a bit DM-ish. And I remember just feeling, finally, she accepts me. Do you know, I just remember feeling, oh my God, this is so amazing. Finally, my mom accepts me for who I am. Um, and I just, and it was just the most wonderful feeling. Of course, she didn't accept me for who I was. She, you know, allowed me to wear those clothes and accept that little part of me. But, you know, whenever I acted in certain ways or whatever, she definitely was not okay with it. But Here's the thing, right? As parents, it is really, it is really, really hard, this parenting journey, okay? I'm certainly not the perfect parent, I can tell you. Because the thing about it is, like, I fight this every single day with my kids. We want our kids to be, or we we feel like they are an extension of us, don't we? Like, they feel like they're an extension of us, especially if you're a woman listening to this. If you're a mother, you grew your baby in your belly, or maybe you adopted your baby, but you feel like that child is an extension of you. You feel like the way they act reflects on you. You feel like they are a part of you. And of course, they were a part of you at one point whenever they were in your belly, but they are not a part of you anymore. They are now their own adult or their own their own person, their own individual, and you need to allow them to be that way. But of course, we all have world audience issues, don't we? Like, what will the neighbors think? Imagine what Joan across the fence would say if she saw you dressed like that. And sometimes we're not afraid to use that, sure we're not. Like we pull out the big guns, like, oh, imagine, imagine if the neighbors like, oh, what would Margot down the street say? Like we want, we pull that out, you know, to shame our kids in order to change their behavior. And not that I've ever done this, by the way, or, or you have, you know, I'm talking about those other, those other people, you know, other people, not, not the people who listen to this podcast, but other people who do that, not us, not me, not you, other people. 
And so we have this whole, what will people think? Because we're totally cared to train about what others think. Um, and we're trained to think about what others think because, you know, when we were kids, that, that button was used with us as well. Our parents would have said, you know, oh, don't do that in case people are watching or don't do that in case, you know, someone such and such sees, you know, so we learn to kind of compartmentalize and hide away this part of ourself that is, you know, that we, that we only allow out at home. We only allow out with our parents or with our best friends. And then we put on this show for the world this you know this 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 person that we believe the world wants us to be this perfect version of ourselves and that is who gets presented in the world and the real you gets hidden behind closed doors and in fact you know what we do whenever we teach i'm kind of rambling here a little bit but i want to talk about more about this what what we do whenever we whenever we teach our kids to care about what others think and we teach them to only show their true selves to um to people at home or to their family or to their closest friends you you cause what is what is known as a disintegration so you you teach them to compartmentalize themselves you teach them to have almost a fragmented personality which actually isn't a good thing and can get them into, you know, all kinds of trouble. Um, I remember hearing a story, I think about, I've, I've told this story once before, it was about a guy who was in therapy and he was an alcoholic and he couldn't uh, he couldn't stop drinking but whenever he came to therapy he would you know he he really wanted to give up drinking and he would listen to you know him himself or he would listen he would listen to the therapist and they would talk it through and they would put a, a plan in place and and they would you know he would leave and he'd be really enthused that this plan was going to work and then he would leave the you know he would leave the, the therapy session, whatever, and he would come back the next week and the, the doctor would or the therapist would say, well, how did you get on? And he would say, well, yeah, I was really good. I went four days without drinking, but then on the fourth day, I just caved. And and the therapist would say, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll do some more work. So they would do some more integration therapy and some more work and some more talking and they would set a plan in place and the guy would leave and then he would come back the next week and the therapist would say, well, how did you get on? And he would say, oh, you know, I, I didn't do too well. I only I only went, managed to go one day without drinking. So they would repeat the process, they'd do it again. And, and so the then the next time they came in, the therapist said, well, how did you get on? And the guy said, well, you know, I left here and he said, really not good. He said, I left here and he said, I, I passed a bar on the way home and he said I just I, I I couldn't stop myself I just went in and I started drinking and I just drank solidly for two days and the therapist was a bit like hmm okay a bit clueless as to what to do so he thought I know I have an idea so they worked through their therapy therapy session and the next time the guy came to therapy the the therapist said to him well how did you get on this week and the guy said well you know and he started to talk and the therapist said wait hang on and he reached down and he opened his drawer and he pulled out a bottle of Jack Daniels and he slammed the Jack Daniels on the table. And he said to the guy, first, let's have a drink. And the guy went, oh, great. And the therapist said, okay, perfect. That's the part of you I want to talk to. Not that other guy who comes to therapy. <laughs> because the guy was a Jack Daniels drinker. He had told the therapist that before. And so that is basically what we do whenever we uh, whenever we don't accept our children, whenever we punish them, whenever we control them, we teach them that a part of themselves is bad. And so that what they do is they, they, they hide this part of themselves or they compartmentalize themselves or they fragment themselves into two different people. And that really doesn't bode them well whenever they, whenever they grow up because, you know, the therapist obviously had to work with the part of the guy who likes to drink drink 
but he did, he wasn't the guy who came to therapy it was the other part who came to therapy well I'm, i don't know what happened in the story after that hopefully he got to the root of the issue and the guy stopped drinking but it, it just demonstrates how we are completely fragmented and in, in not in not all ways and it's not like we're leading a double life but in many areas of our life certainly in this area where this guy was drinking he was fragmented i actually see this a lot online there was a particular um online entrepreneur uh, who recently got an awful lot of flack for a video that this person put up and i you know and they she got absolutely torn to shreds people saying that you know just basically attacking this person for what she said in the video and I I just looked at it very curiously because I realized that this person has portrayed this is this is my take on it this person has portrayed up until now this real wholesome blonde all american white teeth girl image and she, but that isn't really who she is right I find that that my american friends and counterparts have been brought up with this wholesome american cheerleader kind of image this of perfection that they should strive for but that's rarely who they are underneath because who actually really is like that and so therefore they i find americans to be quite um I'll just say it out loud. I find a lot of Americans to be quite false. It's this whole, have a nice day and you're welcome. And, you know, oh, you know, they, they have this whole, hey, how are you? This whole smile and da, da, da. And I find that all to be really, really? Like, is that really who you are? I get a lot of praise online for, um, I get a lot of hate online too, but people either love me or they hate me because I'm not afraid to be who I am. Somebody said to me the other week, the thing about you, Kim, is you are who you are wherever you go. You are the same, you know, I think it was my, one of my housekeepers, actually, my weekend housekeeper said to me, all her friends keep saying to her, what's she like? What's she like? You know, what's the sculpted vegan like? And, you know, Antoinette keeps saying, she's lovely. Like, she's exactly the same. They're like, no, no, but what's she really like? Is she really up herself? Like, is she really snobby? And Antoinette's like, no, no, seriously, the person you see on Instagram is who she is that is who she is at home she doesn't change and they're like really like they expect you to be to have this online persona and then to be completely different behind the scenes but I don't have a persona I don't have a you know the sculpted vegan persona online I am me wherever I go if you meet me in real life I talk exactly like I talk in these podcasts I am exactly the same on Instagram I'm exactly the same at home with my husband and kids with my family with my friends with strangers on the street you don't I don't change because I'm very integrated I've done a lot of work over the years to integrate to find all of the cracks in my personality all the fragments of my personality and work to integrate them but the reason why I'm making this point to you is because where these where these fragments happen is in childhood it's in childhood and how they happen in childhood is when we punish blame and shame our children and we don't accept them for who they are we don't allow them the freedom to express themselves and be who they are now i'm not saying that you should allow your kids to do anything dangerous or to you know get into drugs or anything like that like parenting is necessary okay guidance is necessary but let me tell you what happens whenever you're not controlling your children whenever they know that you are not trying to control them they listen to you most children don't listen to their parents because they're so used to their parents having their own agenda they know that the parents don't have in inverted commas the child's best interests at heart children are not stupid they know that the reason why we're trying to control them is to make our lives easier and better and to you know keep up with the joneses and all of those other things oftentimes whenever we 
like whenever we, if a child asks at 13 years of age can I go to a nightclub with my friends you're more you're more than likely going to say no I'm using that scenario because I used to ask to go to nightclubs constantly whenever I was younger and whenever my mother said no I just find a way to go anyway so you know if you're going to go to, if your child comes to you at 13 and says can I go to a nightclub you're probably going to say no okay if your child comes to you at 13 and says and you're redecorating their room and they say can I paint my room black you know what paint the fucking room black or at least compromise and do it dark gray like you know at least listen to your child and you know don't just automatically say no you can't because it's inconvenient for you or you don't want it or you don't like it really try and truly accept your children for who they are because they they're not an extension of you they are their own people and truly i think what most people want most adults most parents want is to have a better relationship with their children but you're not going to have a better relationship with your child if you can just get them to act the way you want them to act i think that we mistakenly believe that if we can just get our children to act the way we want them to act if we can get them to be well behaved well-mannered you know do, getting good grades at school applying for university or any of those whatever our measurement of success is if we can just get them to fit into our mold and measure, uh, measurement of success then everything will be okay but actually that's not true what will be more okay is if you just allow your child to be who they are that will that is what will lead you to a happier life and the thing about it is as well but our kids will fight to the death, okay, to be who they are. They will fight to the death for you to hear them. And hearing them or learning how to listen to not just to kids, but to anybody is actually an enormous skill that many, many, many people are missing. And the reason why we're missing this skill is because we're not taught it at children. as children. We're not taught that communication is a two-way thing. We are told what to do by our parents. We are told what to do by our teachers. We are told what to do by all the adults in our lives. So whenever the only the people how we who we learn the most from are adults. We don't learn the most from our friends. Normally we, we learn bad shit from our friends, but the, the, the people who we learn to be, you know, we learn adulting from are the adults. So if the adults in our lives don't know how to communicate and don't have very good communication skills, then we as children will not develop very good communication skills and therefore we will not develop these as adults. And if you want to help your child be better in the world, let me tell you, if you learn to communicate better with your child, you will model communication skills for them and they will naturally learn how to do conflict resolution, how to ask for what they want, how to negotiate for what they want and how to have a conversation without screaming, without fighting, without pushing and without, without you know, confrontation or butting heads. This actually reminds me of a story where recently I was traveling in the car with my sister Carol. We were um, we were going to see my sister Carrie. She had invited us over for coffee. And Carol said, I'll pick you up on the way because my house is, is on the way to Carrie's. And so she picked me up. And whenever I got into the car, the, the phone rang. And it was my niece. So she has two daughters. One is 18 and the other one is 16. So it was the younger daughter had rung. And as soon as she came on the phone, she said, mom. And Carol said, no, 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 Lauren. No, no, I'm not doing this. We've had this conversation. I'm not having it again. And so I obviously knew immediately there was, there had been conflict. And so Lauren said, but mom, but mom, but let me, let me just tell you, but we just, and Lauren started trying to explain. Carol was like, Lauren, I hear what you're saying, but no, no, Lauren, we've had this conversation. She obviously didn't 
didn't want to have it in front of me. So she started saying, no, no, no. So then the next thing, Gemma, the older one comes on the phone. Gemma goes, no, mom, mom, but listen to me. Mom, listen to me. No, 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 you listen to me. And Carol was like, Gemma, Gemma, don't you listen to me. So I, I realized that there was obviously confrontation here. So Gemma started saying, no, but mom, but if we do this and blah, 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 and if we, and she started trying to explain. And, and so Carol listened for a second and gave her, you know, a moment to speak. And then she said, Gemma, no, she said, I'm not going to, I'm not, you've asked me and I'm not going to do it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to intervene. So I said, so I put my hand in Carol's arm and I said, let me, I said, Gemma, Gemma, she was on speaker and she went, yes. And I said, this is your auntie Kim. And she went, hello. And I said, hi. And I said, Gemma, tell me what the problem is. I said, I said, no, I said to her, Gemma, it sounds like you're really upset. And she went, she went, well, yeah. And I said, so I said, so tell me what the problem is. So Gemma started to explain the problem and it was something like the neighbor had asked, could if they were going for a walk with their dog, could they possibly pop over and pick up her dog, Chewy, and take Chewy for a walk as well? So, or I think the girls had offered, they said, we'll take Chewy, no problem at all. And Carol said, that's great. So whenever they went over to ring the doorbell, I think that their her elderly parents live with her and they had carers in. So the older, the mother had gone into the back room and the carers were in the front room with her elderly father and she couldn't the older the 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 grandmother couldn't hear the doorbell or the girl's mother couldn't hear the doorbell and so the girls had you know come back over to the house and they'd rung carol and carol had said just wait until the carers go and they go back into the front room and then go and ring the doorbell again and so but the girls hadn't didn't want to do this they wanted carol to ring the neighbor who then was to ring the mother and then the mother would have to ring tell her and she would have to ring carol and carol would have to ring Gemma. and what they were asking to do was a very 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 unreasonable roundabout solution so i said to Gemma, tell me what the problem is so she so she told me the problem and i said okay so it's so then i repeated the problem to her i said so it sounds like you guys really do want to you you guys really want to take the dog for a walk but for some reason, you, for whatever reason, you don't want to call, I think her name's Gronya. You don't want to call Gronya. And, you know, you, you don't want to be the one to make the call to Gronya. And Gemma said, yes. And I said, it also sounds like you don't want to go and ring the doorbell again because you don't want to disturb the neighbors. Like, I just tried on what it would be for me. And Gemma said, yes, that's right. And I said, so, I said, I said, so is it that you're, and then I tried on something else. I said, so is it that you're embarrassed? I said, is, is that what it is? And she said, no, 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 I'm not. She goes, it's not that I'm embarrassed. She said, it's just that, you know, and then she started telling me the real problem, which was something about, you know, she didn't want to be the cause of the issue. She goes, I don't want to be the one, you know, I, I don't want to have to ring Gronya, and then Gronya's going to have to ring me back. And then I know that she's in work and I don't, I don't want her to, ha- I don't want to be the one to put her out. And so then the real issue came out. And I said to her, I said, oh, so you don't want to be a nuisance. I said, you don't want her to have to put herself out and call you back and then you're going to feel bad because she whatever and and she said yes yes that's exactly it that's exactly it so I got her saying yes that's exactly it and I said okay I totally understand and I said I want you to know I would probably feel the same as you so now I've established rapport you are you and I are the same I said to her you know I I would probably feel the same as you I completely understand I said but Jam I said I, I said but here's the thing so then I gave her more data 
I said, your mum and I are driving in the car and your mum can't actually do anything because she's driving and we're going to be at Auntie Kerry's really soon. I said, and then we're going to be having coffee. And I said, so if your mum has to be the one to ring Grania, then she's going to have to ring Grania and then ring you back. I said, and then that's going to take time away from, you know, from our coffee. And I haven't seen your mum in ages. And I said, and I know that you don't want your mum to be uncomfortable. And she went, well, no. And I said, okay. I said, so but what you're asking to asking her to do would cause her to have to put herself out when she's just taking a little time for herself. And I said, is there any way that you would just ring Gronya just because, you know, d- just to help your mum out? And, and Gemma went, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, that's no problem at all. And I said, would you? I said that I would really appreciate it. And I said, and I said, listen, if there's any issue and you can't get hold of her or there's anything else happens, I said, you can absolutely message me because I have your mom's phone and I'm beside her and I can message you back. I said, so if there's any issues, you message me. And she went, yeah, okay, okay, that's fine. I can, I can ring her, no problem at all. I said, Gemma, you're an absolutely super girl. I love you. Thank you so much. And she was like, okay, no problem at all. I'll go ring her now. Okay, bye. And I hung up the phone and Carol turned to me and she went, how the fuck did you do that? And I said, I said, I just asked questions, Carol. I said, Gemma was having an emotional reaction. She was, and it wasn't about that. It so Carol perceived the problem to be that Gem that 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 Carol perceived Gemma's problem to be that Carol wouldn't ring Gronya. So she was fighting to be right. She was she was like, I shouldn't have to ring Gronya because I'm driving and it's not my problem. And Gemma was like, you should be the one to ring Gronya. Okay, so they were fighting over the content of who should ring Gronya. That was not Gemma's issue. Gemma's issue was she didn't want to be a nuisance. She's only 18. She didn't want to be a nuisance to the neighbor. And I actually said to Gemma on the phone too, I said, don't forget you're doing Gronya a favor. I said, she has asked you to walk the dog and you're doing her a favor. She'll probably be delighted to call you back and arrange this for you. And she went, oh yeah, I never thought of that actually. <laughs> so, you know, I just gave her more data. And I said to Carol, you were fighting. I said, you thought that she wanted you to ring Gronya, And she said, she said, yes. I said, but you never asked why. Why do you want me to ring Gronya? So I said, it's, you know, but even if you had said, why do you want me to ring Gronya?" That would have seemed defensive. You know, I said, but what I did was I understood her first and then I invited her back into my world. So it's it's almost like rapport. I remember somebody calling or establishing, saying whenever you establish rapport with someone, you invite them, you first of all step into their world and then you invite them back into yours. So you never ever in a conversation or in a, yeah, in a conversation, you never, especially when someone's emotionally invested, you never try to um, to, to invite them into your world before you have first stepped into theirs. And I want, if, that, if you take nothing away from this podcast, I want you to take that away. If you ever want to understand someone or have a better communication with someone or a better relationship with someone, you first step into their world, try them on, and then invite you back into theirs. Invite them back into you, sorry, and then invite them back into yours. Jordan Peterson talks about this in his book, uh, 12 Rules for Life. He says that um, uh, an, uh, an exercise he used to get couples to do was anytime they had a conversation, the other person wasn't allowed to speak until they had fully understood and repeated to the other person what it was the person meant. So say we're having a conversation and uh, and I said to Ryan, uh, you know, I was really upset the other night whenever you I asked you for help and you didn't help me. So Ryan would normally respond and say, what night? I don't remember not helping you. 
but in Jordan Peterson's example, Ryan would have to say, you were really, so you were really upset the other night whenever I wouldn't help you. So he would, he actually repeats back to me what I've said so that he, you know, he knows I understand. And if I, if, if he got it wrong, I would say, no, 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 not the other night, the, on Tuesday or, or whatever. Or if it, if it was correct, I would say, yes, the other night. And so then he would be allowed to respond once he'd shown he'd understood. So it's exactly the same kind of thing about, you know, stepping into someone's world, trying them on and then inviting them back into yours. And that's exactly what I did with Carol. And when, and I'm going to give you some strategies at the end, by the way, to use this, but when you use this technique with your kids, everything changes, but you have to practice, right? It doesn't, it comes kind of naturally to me because I've done it for so long, but it doesn't just come naturally to most people. You have to practice and you're going to get it wrong in the beginning and you're going to follow and stumble, but you should practice this everywhere. Practice it at work, practice it with your husband, practice it with your kids, practice it everywhere. I'll give you one more example actually of, um, and this was the incident I spoke about at the start that happened tonight that actually spawned this podcast because I thought, you know what, this was a bit of a breakthrough for me actually, I'll tell you why, but I just thought if every parent could learn this skill, it would be transform trans transformational for them. So what happened was um, I have a second son uh, my second child, his name is Kai, and he is the most stubborn little bastard you'll ever meet in your entire life. Like, he's so like me. It's unbelievable. And let me tell you why he's stubborn. I know how I've ruined him. So, you know how whenever you are you only have one child or it's your first child, they're really easy to control because, you know, there's only one of them. And so, if you can, you know, and I, I was not as good a parent I am, as I am now whenever I had Corey. I have grown a lot over the years. and I had a lot of control issues when Corey was born. And so, because... I used to, um, I needed to have control. I used to fight Cordy for control. And so therefore, because I was bigger and stronger, he could never win, right? I could always win in every fight because I am bigger and stronger. But whenever Kai came along, of course, I then applied the same tactics to him. If Kai didn't want something and I did want it to happen, if, you know, I tried to force it to make it happen, like, you know, into his car seat or bedtimes or whatever. And so, but Kai, very because I had another child to tend to, I didn't have the same amount of time to invest in winning. And so therefore, Kai learned that if he just held on for long enough, eventually he would get what he wanted. Because you know what it's like with the second, I think that's why the second children are the way they are, because we apply the same techniques that we used with them on the, with them that we used with the first child, which is we hold our ground and we stand firm and we stand firm and we stand firm until we say, oh, for fuck's sake, just give it to him <laughs> because we can't be arsed to fight anymore. And so they learn that if they fight for long enough, they get what they want. And that's why you have very defiant, stubborn second children. That's my hypothesis anyway. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I have tested it in a few families and it does seem to be pretty common. So that's the way Kai is. And whenever Kai gets, whenever Kai decides he wants something, he wants it. Now, Kai is 14 and he is individuating. Kai is going through the beautiful or not so beautiful stage of individuation. And what individuation means is he is establishing who he is as a person and who he is as a person is not me. He is very defiant against me. Kai does, Kai has decided he wants to live in the woods as you know with a you know with no money he believes that capitalism is bad and that wanting money is bad and everything that i have everything i stand for everything i am kai wants to be the opposite but that's fine i just let him individuate i don't care i don't give him anything to fight against but he will sometimes fight to the death and i always try and give him everything that he wants because not everything that he wants but you know i don't give him anything to fight against so tonight 
anyway, I was tidying up the kitchen after dinner and he came into the kitchen and he said, so this is part of his whole quest for the simple life. Kai has a beautiful super king pocket sprung mattress, solid oak bed in his room. But you know where Kai sleeps? On the floor. Because Kai rejects the comfort of the beautifully handcrafted linen sheets that he has on his bed and the pocket sprung memory foam mattress. And he prefers to sleep on the floor with a blanket. He does have a pillow, (laughs) I think, but he's gone a few nights without a pillow and it does bother me, but I don't say anything. So Kai has decided now that he doesn't want his bed anymore. And this has been an ongoing thing for a while where he keeps coming into me and saying, I want to take my bed down. And I say, Kai, and believe me, listen, if we had somewhere to put his fucking bed, I would take the bed down. But we don't. We are stuffed to capacity in our six bedroom house. We have no more room. Our attic is full. Every bedroom is taken. The dining room is a gym. Like we are full to capacity. So I said to him, Kai, so this has been ongoing for a while. I want to take my bed down. I said, Kai, there is nowhere to put your bed. I'm really sorry. So we've had this we've had this conversation so many times and I keep using rationale and logic, right? Logic, logic, logic. Because, you know, the, to me, it is, it is logical. I want to take my bed down. There's nowhere to put your bed. And also, I'm just not willing to take his fucking bed down because at some point he's going to want the bed back again and it is a monster to undo and put back together again because it's solid oak. So... Where am I going with this? So Kai comes in tonight and he goes, and I guess he was hanging around and hanging around, hanging around. And I thought, oh God, he wants something. He's going to ask me for something. So then he goes, uh, I want to take my bed down. No, he goes, no, something about sleeping on the floor. He says, first of all, something about, uh, you know, I enjoy sleeping on the floor. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know. I've seen, I've seen that you do. That's great. And he said, uh, I, I don't even sleep in my bed anymore. I sleep on the floor. I said, yeah, I've noticed. That's, that's great. I'm glad that you've, you know, that you're comfortable on the floor. That's wonderful. And he goes, uh, I, I want to take my bed down. And I said, I know you do, Kai, but we've had this conversation and there's nowhere for you to put your bed. And he goes, yeah, well, uh, what about what about in the attic? I said, Kai, there's no room in the attic. Can't go in the attic. And he said, well, what about uh, in Corey's room? Corey never uses his room. And I said, Kai, you've ready. So every time, every time Kai gets bored, right, he rearranges the furniture in his room. And he decided recently he didn't want his bookcase and he didn't want this and he didn't want that. So he's moved everything out of his room and we now have it. And he put it into Corey's room. So poor Corey is like, Corey never uses his bedroom anyway, except to sleep in. His room is bursting at the seams. There is no more room. And he said, we can put it in Corey's room. Kai, can't go in Corey's room. So he started hypothesizing all of these places it could go. It could go on the back room. It could go here. It could go where the bikes are. It could go this, it could go there. And I kept saying, won't go there. No, wouldn't fit there. No, can't go there because there's not enough room. So I kept like, you know, lodging him and lodging him and lodging him out of it. But he kept going and going and going and going. And 18 minutes later, I really was beginning to lose my temper. And I said to him, Kai, I said, and I, then I started to use tones. I was like, Kai, seriously, there is nowhere for the bed to go. I said, we can't, I'm not having this conversation anymore, Kai. I'm just not. And so then I decided to give him the silent treatment. So then he kept talking and I just didn't answer. And he said, are you listening to me? I said, I'm listening, Kai, but there is no, there's nowhere that that bed can go. So, and then he, so he said, but it can go here, but it can do this, but it can do whatever. And then I thought, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. And then I, I thought, okay, interesting. I can do this with my niece, Gemma, but I can't do it with my own. In fact, I can do it with all my kids, but for some reason I never do it with Kai. So I decided to try a different tactic. So here's what I did. So I was silent for a minute and I said to him, it sounds like you really, really want that bed gone. And he said, yes, I do. 
And I said, it sounds like it really is important to you. And he said, yes, it is very important to me. And I said, why do you want the bed gone? And he said, I just want more space. And I said, you want more space? So this is mirroring and labeling. If you've ever listened to the podcast that I did with uh, Chris Voss, the FBI negotiator, he talked all about mirroring and labeling. So mirroring and labeling. You should get his book. It's called the... the um, it's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, V-O-S-S. The, it'll be in the show notes. So I started mirroring and labeling him. So I, I, so he said, I just want more space. So then I mirrored. I said, more space? I just repeated what he said. And he said, yeah, more space. And I said, why do you want more space? So then I asked questions. And he said, I, he said, because, well, because I do. And I said, I understand. But like, why? Why do you want more space? He said, well, I just want more space. And I said, well, so then I thought, well, what is it? And I said, well, what's the downside if you don't have more space? And he said, there is no downside. And I said, oh, great. Okay. Well, if there's no no downside, then we don't need to move the bed. And then he went, no, 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 hang on, hang on. So then he thought, well, shit, hang on. No, there, have to, there has to be a downside. So he began to think and he goes, well, it, it's not that I want more space. I just, I just think, I just, uh, and then he goes, I just think it would be fun. And I said, and I was like, you think it would be, I said, you think it would be fun? And he said, and he goes, no, no, before that, tell a lie. He said, no, it's not that I want more space. He goes, I don't know, I just want it. And I said, you you want more space because you just want it. And he goes, yeah. And I said, so you just want what you want? I said, so you don't actually want more space. You are you just want me to agree with you. You just want what you want for the sake of wanting it. And he kind of furrowed his brow and he looked at me and he went, uh, I guess. And I said, so it's not really about more space. And he goes, no, it is. I do want more space. And I said, well, what's the downside if you don't have it? And he goes, well, I just think it would be more fun. And I said, more fun for what? And he said, well, it'd be more fun to have more space because then I could like do more things and it would be fun. And I said, oh, okay. And then I understood. I said, so you just want to entertain yourself. I said, you're bored. And he goes, no. And I said, no, you're not bored. I said, because here's the thing. I said, either you want more space for a purpose. I said, but you can't actually tell me what that purpose is. You can't give me a reason or a downside to not having more space. I said, but what it sounds like you're saying is you're just bored and you want to entertain yourself, which actually makes sense because every time you're bored, you rearrange your room. So I said, so, and he went, I said, so is that it? And he went, well, I guess I just think it will be fun. And I said, okay. I said, so I completely understand. I said, and while I really, really would love to help you with your problem, you wanting to entertain yourself is going to highly inconvenience the whole family. And I'm not willing to inconvenience myself to this extent, just so you can have more fun. I'm really sorry. And he just looked at me and he went, okay, forget about it. Doesn't matter. And he got up and walked out of the kitchen. And I was like, yes, yes, I won. And I really hate to bring it back to like I won. But I was like, fuck, like you have no idea. It, it's, I have never, ever had an interaction like that with Kai before where it like I never shout or get angry or whatever but it's usually left feeling very unresolved have you I'm usually feeling like I have been like a bad parent because I haven't given him what he wants and I really want to give them what what he wants but I'm not actually willing to I'm not willing to be fucking uncomfortable like seriously uncomfortable myself or, or put myself out or 
do you know what I'm saying? Like my needs are important too, but yeah, I'm always left with this kind of empty feeling. But what I realized recently was children don't always, well, they do want what they want, right? They do want you to do the thing and that would actually, you know, take away the problem half the time. But really quite often the thing that they want isn't actually the thing that they want. There is an emotional attachment or a need underneath the thing that they are fighting for. And if you just slow down, take the time and ask questions and teach yourself, train yourself to ask questions, you will get to the real issue. Your child will feel understood and heard by you and the problem will resolve itself and everybody will be happy. Because here's the thing, Kai would have loved the bed to be moved, but he felt equally at peace with the fact that I understood him and took the time to listen. And also when I had identified that all he wanted, by his own omission, by the way, I didn't say to him, all you want is, to, it was if I had said, if I had accused him and said, all you want is to entertain yourself. You do this every time you're bored. He would have said, no, I don't. And he would have defended because it was an accusation. But I got him to admit it, right? By asking questions. Why Why would you want it? What's the downside if you don't get it? And he was like, I just think it would be fun. And then I realized he just wanted to entertain himself. And I wasn't willing to put myself out to entertain him. And he, and actually he couldn't have, he realized he could not have asked me to do that. So it just resolved itself. So here's the final point that I want to make. And I'm going to give you a few, a few things before we finish. Um, not a few things. I'm going to give you a few pointers for how you can practice this yourself, right? Listening. <laughs> Listening is a skill and listening isn't just sitting quietly waiting for the other person to finish so you can speak. That is how most people think about listening, right? That is how most listening is done. I'm just sitting here, sitting here, sitting here, sitting here, waiting for you to finish speaking so I can tell you my great and wonderful story, which actually tops yours, okay? That's how most conversations go. But listening is Whenever you listen to understand, it takes on a whole new level. And how you understand is by asking questions. But most people don't listen to understand because most people truly actually aren't that interested in anyone but themselves. We are complete and utter narcissists at heart. We don't really give a shit what anybody else thinks or feels or understand or understands about the world. We're truly not interested in them. We're just interested most of the time in being right. We just want to be right. That's the only conversation that we have or most of the conversations that we have are just about being right. And see if you start to watch people, okay? Or if you have big right wrongs, you're actually not going to see it in other people. But whenever you work all your right wrong stuff, you begin to notice that most people, like I said, don't have conversations. They have right wrongs. I see this all the time and I find it hilarious. My husband and I sit and watch in social gatherings, especially with husbands and wives, that husbands and wives don't really have conversations. They just have right wrongs. My sister and her husband are, my sister is massively against the corona vaccine and my and her husband is massively for the corona vaccine okay but and they both just need to be right and so every time we're together they argue their position and neither one is ever going to bend to the other one neither one is ever going to concede a point to the other one neither one is ever going to see the other person's point of view why because neither of them feels understood or heard by the other one neither of them. And so, but, and, but if one of them just took the time to say to the other, so tell me a little more about why that is, or tell me about what it is about that that's important to you, or tell me what the downside is if you don't get that, you would get to the true issue. You would get to the true issue. 
And if you really just took time to get to the true issue, the person would feel understood by you and they wouldn't feel the need to fight you anymore. It is it is a superpower if you will allow yourself to develop it. So I really want you to teach yourself how to have better communication and how to listen to understand, not listen to respond. When you, But here's the thing, it's very hard whenever you have a massive need to be right. And many of us have a massive need to be right because as children, we were constantly made wrong. We were constantly told that, you know, that, that, that we were wrong by our parents because they were like, no, 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 I am right, you are wrong. Our parents fought with us all the time. They said, what you think is not right, what I think is right, no, those are not the right clothes to wear, that, that is not the right thing to do, that is not the right way to be, that is not the right thing to say, don't say that, we were blamed and punished, don't say that, don't be like that, don't don't look at me like that, how dare you look at me like that, those all develop right wrongs and kids, punishment and blame, blame and responsibility go hand in hand with right and wrong, whenever you are blamed as a child, you develop a massive amount of pride, when you develop a massive amount of pride, you develop a huge need to be right. Prideful people have the most enormous needs to be right. It's unbelievable. So if that's you, you need to try and break your pride in order to break through this. And if you're not able to really listen to understand, I'm sorry, but you're probably a narcissist. (laughs) We all are, by the way, all the best people are. But you really need to break through that. You really have to try and listen to understand. And how you listen to understand is by asking questions. And the best people to practice on are your children. Um, What else have I written here? Just check my notes. Uh, I said, if you force your need to be right onto your children, you'll teach them to do this in their relationships. Yes. So if you do this to your kids, you'll teach them how to be with other people. Because here's the thing, they might not fight with you anymore because they perceive that they will never win, but they will fight to be right everywhere else in their life. So if you get into right wrongs with your kids and you win without them really feeling that you understand them, they will stop fighting you, but they will go and fight to be right in every other relationship in their life. And that is really, truly not a good thing. So let me finish with some questions. Uh, well, I've, it's it's not really questions to ask your kids. It's more strategies for, yeah, let's call it strategies to be a better communicator, strategies to have a better relationship with your kids. Okay, so and these are gonna be in the show notes, by the way, but if you're listening and you have a pen and, pan, a pen and paper handy, you can write them down. Okay, so number one, the first thing you have to do is use it seems like or it sounds like questions to establish what it is that they want. So I said to Kai, it sounds like you want the bed to be totally gone from your room. You really, it sounds like you really want the bed to be gone. And he said, yes. And so either whenever you, you use it seems like or it sounds like, or I'll say, even I could say to him, it seems like this is something you really, really want, or it seems like this is something that's really important to you. And either he'll say, yes, it is really important to me, or he'll say, well, no, it's not that important. And he'll correct you and he'll give you more data. Either way, it establishes the first line of communication. The second thing that you do is ask why questions. So when you've established that it is really important to them, then you say, why? Why is that important to you? Or why do you want the bed gone? Or what would that give you? So I so I would say to Kai, so why is it important to you that the bed is gone? And Kai said, well, it would give me more space. Okay, so you have to ask, why is it important to you? That's the next question. Number three is, what will what will be the downside if you didn't get it? So what you're trying to do is you're trying to identify the real problem. So Kai said to me, I want the, you know, I want the bed gone because I want more space. And I said, 
why do you want more space? And he said, I don't know, I just want more space. So if he had have known what it was, he, he would have said, well, I want more space so that I can play basketball in my room. And then I would have said, well, why do you want to play basketball in your room? Which would probably still have come back to the fact that he was bored. So you just have to keep asking why questions. So, and if, he, if they can't get it, then you say, well, what would be the downside if you didn't get it? Because then they can say, oh, well, then I wouldn't be able to blah, blah, blah. So that's the third thing. So first one is, it seems like or it sounds like. Number two is why questions. Number three is what would be the downside if you didn't get it? And that identifies the real problem. Number four is what will having it give you? This is the same as the above, but asks the other side. So if Kai, Kai was like, I don't know, I just want more space. I don't know, I just want more space. And this does happen quite a lot. So then I could have said, well, what will having more space give you? And if you have more space, how would that change things? You know, you want to establish what actually is the problem here. So that's number four. Number five is, why do you need it to be that way? So it's kind of the same as the above. But what you're doing is by using all of these questions interchangeably, you're you're eliciting more and more and more information. So you're showing that you have a real need to understand. That's what I was showing Kai by asking question after question after question. I was showing I had a real need to understand. But also what I was doing was I was getting him to examine the reason why he wanted it, which is something he'd probably never never considered. He was just fighting for his need to be right. He was fighting for his need for space. He was fighting to get the bed out of the room. He was fighting just to, to get what he wanted just because he wanted it. He didn't even know that he was bored. So they don't always assume that the person you're talking to knows what it is that they want. Quite often they don't know what it is that they want and you're helping to elicit the information for them. And they will think that you are an absolute magician whenever you do this. So the why do you need it to be that way so why do you need more space why do you need your bedroom to have more space this establishes the emotional attachment or reveals the actual problem so kai reached a point where he couldn't answer my questions anymore so we really had to look at well why do i want it and in his case what it was was he said i i just think it would be more fun now i could have said why would it be more fun? Why is having more fun important to you? Like I could have gone there, but I didn't need to because I, I all I wanted to do was establish the reason why he wanted the bad move. So in Kai's case, the actual problem was that, was that he was bored. So as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, okay. So you just want to have more fun. It's not that you need more space. You just want to have more fun. And he said, yeah. So then I said, I totally understand and I, I understand where you're coming from. Like having fun is wonderful. And I know that you're sometimes you're bored during the day and you don't get to see your kid, your friends because they're in school. I totally get how you want to have more fun. So again, I just showed him that I understood. But then I said, but, but Kai, you're asking the whole family to inconvenience themselves so that you can have more fun. And the thing is, he couldn't say, well, no, it's not for that because he just told me it was. The words came out of his mouth, not mine. It wasn't an accusation. It was an admittance by him. So I said, you, you're asking the whole family to inconvenience themselves because you want to have more fun. Do you think that's the right thing to do? Do you think, you know, is that a good thing to do to ask everybody to inconvenience themselves just so you can entertain yourself? Do you think there's another way that you could entertain yourself that won't cause a huge amount of work for me, who already works a massive amount already, and for daddy, and, you know, for Corey, who's now going to have, you know, potentially a bed shoved in his room when he doesn't want it. So as soon as I showed him what the problem was, he really couldn't keep pushing it because it was apparent that his need for space wasn't real.
And that's when he said, okay, forget about it. doesn't matter. And he left. And I doubt that he will ever bring it up again because now he knows that I know that he knows. He knows that I know and he knows what he knows. And he knows that that him wanting to, you know, we're not going to inconvenience ourselves just so he can have a bit more fun. He can go. I said to him, you know, let me find another way to help you entertain yourself. And he said, no, no, it's fine. I don't want you to. I said, I'm more than happy. He went to his room afterwards. I was like, Kai, I said, you know, is there anything I can help you to do to have, you know, have more fun? And he was like, no, no, I'm fine. You don't need to. Don't worry. So he didn't even want any more help. That was fine. So, but asking these questions will unveil like the real problem. If there is one, if there is one, there may not be. It may just be, I am having, you know, I am feeling scared or to phone Gronya or I want more fun. I'm feeling bored, whatever. Okay. It'll unveil whatever the real problem is. And usually it's not actually a real problem. It's a perceived problem. It's an emotional attachment that people have. In Kai's case, he wasn't emotional about it. It wasn't an emotional attachment. It wasn't making him upset. In Gemma's case, it was an emotional attachment. She did not want to put someone else out or she didn't want to feel um, like she was inconveniencing someone and that and that there was a downside for her of doing that because otherwise she would have just done it but she didn't feel that that was a good thing to do and as soon as I showed her that I understood her I understood how she felt and I showed her how it would be helpful for her mom if she did that she just went ahead and did it so she was missing the information that it would have been difficult for Carol to to make that call because she was driving and she was going to Carrie's. And so once she saw that, she suddenly understood and she was like, okay, that's fine, I'll make the call. But until but until that until that moment, she just thought her mom was refusing to do it because her mom didn't care or whatever it was that she made it mean, which wasn't true. So communication is a two-way thing. You know, there's usually data missing on both sides. Carol, Gemma didn't have the data that Carol was driving. It would have been difficult for her. She was going to have coffee at Carrie's. Carol didn't have the data that Gemma wasn't actually not wanting to do it. She was just feeling upset about inconveniencing Grania or making a nuisance of herself or whatever. Had those, once those two people understood what the other one, the problem went away. So that's what I'm encouraging you to, encouraging you to do with his information and to use these strategies. And so then you can either solve the real problem or you can choose not to solve the problem and explain why. So in Kai's case, you know, if the real problem was I'm bored. <laughs> I could have helped him solve that problem and suggested we play a game of Scrabble. Or I could have said, you know, I'm really sorry, Kai, but I'm actually not going to help you to entertain yourself because you're 14 years of age and the world will not entertain you. You're going to have to figure out a way to entertain yourself. Um, and so, you know, but at least then when you have the data, you're, when you're dealing with the real problem, you can actually solve it or not. And often you will find that the person will stop fighting once they feel understood by you. And so I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. Um, th- these strategies really are ones that I've been developing over the years just by being constantly seeking information, constantly reading and applying and like reading books and listening to audiobooks and, you know, and all that stuff isn't, you know, isn't enough. You actually have to apply what you've learned. There's a, I remember reading this thing years ago, which said that people, the reason why in your marketing, especially if you're teaching people that you should use bullet points is because people, um, or if you like one, number one strategy, number two strategy, number three strategy, people feel like they have taken action by just reading action points. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? They feel like they have actually taken action. And so um, I, I really wanted to actually I have no idea why I said that. <laughs> no, I'm like, I have completely 
lost my train of thought. Um, and I, oh yes, now I know what it is. I'm like, you know what I mean? You just completely lose your train of thought. So I don't want you to just listen to the action points and go, oh yeah, that's really good, Kim. I really like what you've taught me. I want you to write them down or go to the show notes on the Sculpted Vegan website on this podcast. And I want you to actually start to practice them. And then I want you to do one more thing. I want you to write to me on Instagram or tag me if you're in one of my Sculpted Vegan groups or write a review. Actually, it'd be better if you wrote a review. Tell me in some way how this this information has changed you, how you've used it, how it's bettered your relationships. Just tell me something in some way that I have helped you to be better in your life because truly that's all I want. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better mother, a better wife, and I want you to be a better person. Um, I want you to be happier and more joyful. That's why I do what I do every single day and why I sit in my office at nine o'clock at night and report, record these podcasts, hoping that somewhere someone is listening and getting a lot of benefit out of it. So I gave you an extra long juicy episode today because, you know, I hadn't been around for a while. I do hope that you enjoyed it. Um, this is the end now. I'm not really quite sure how I'm going to end, except to say, um, don't forget to leave me a review in the podcast. Uh, leave it on iTunes, preferably. Send me a screenshot on Instagram and you could be in with a chance of winning a Sculpted Vegan program. I will be back next week. I don't have another guest planned. Well, actually, I actually do have a guest next week, but I'll probably do the episode on squatting. Don't know whether you're interested in why I started squatting and deadlifting again, but if you are, you better tune in next week to hear all about it. It probably will not be as exciting as this week's episode, but you know we like to mix it up here on the Kim Constable podcast and give you lots of variety of different stuff but you know I will tie it in with some good stories and some fun stuff and hopefully you'll learn a lot as well okay all that is left is to say adieu from me to you and you and you and I uh, 10 bonus points if you know what movie that's from Um, and I will speak to you all next week for another episode of the Kim Constable podcast thank you so much for listening I've missed you all so much and I will speak to you next time have a wonderful week or a wonderful rest of the day wherever you are in the world big kiss from me to you and I will talk to you soon bye for now